Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Kicking off hour number three here on Hurt at Sports Radio, AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, as well as KFOR in Lincoln for this hour number three. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube as well. I'm Ravi Lula, DB here with me, and one of our favorites joining us now on the War Horse Sportsbook Hotline is our guy, Matt D. Marinas from the White and Blue Review. What's up, Matty? What's up, boys? How are we doing? <laughs> How are we doing? Good to have you guys back. I thought about uh, breaking in with, like, love story, you know? <laughs> I, I think... I was like, hold up. I think that's a copyright thing. So you probably can't do that. So I was like, I don't want to get you taken off the air trying to like celebrate your return and all that. But I'm glad you guys are back together, though. Appreciate it. Impressed or no that Ravi was texting during the Super Bowl? Um, I mean, mad that he wasn't texting me. So. <laughs> no, I was in your group. Yeah, we were in the, I was in the little DM chat. I was texting you guys back. So, yeah, that's true. We were in the DM. That's true. That's true. He was sliding in there. Um... <laughs> No, I, mean, I guess I, I, I'm not surprised. I didn't figure he was a commercial guy. He's like a, you know, just give me my football and leave me alone kind of guy. I was, I was just, I knew he was excited about Monday, but I'm not going to lie. I was a little worried he made no show. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if, Think, uh, if it wasn't the reunion show, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> In in uh in just to tie it to Creighton, which I'm sure we're gonna talk a little bit about, but like Stephen Ashworth's official prediction was that Brock Purdy was gonna throw a pick to lose the game and that I think that first to, like first play of overtime when that ball got tipped over the middle and yeah. just barely, barely Debo should have like, caught oh, that God. though. He could have. That was a dime. Like that was a great throw. Yeah, I thought Purdy played well. I uh I thought Shanahan did not coach well. Um but I don't, I don't hang that on Purdy. Like I thought he played really, really made good plays, made good throws, gave his team a chance to win, which is what you're supposed to do as a quarterback, right? So, yeah, I don't, I don't hang that on him. Like there's, there's, 
couple of weird injuries and some weird play calling that I think let Kansas City kind of stay in the game. And obviously the muff punt was like the, the, that just flipped the whole thing. So, yeah. With that prediction, Stephen Ashworth knows that Brock and Chubba are different people, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the Mahomes train is weird, man. Like, no, you can't mess with him now. No, nope. like, you're going against, you're going against Patty. Like, you're just like an enemy of the state at this point. Because, like, yeah, people people are. He's got that like fan base now that's like rabid. And you know the funny thing is, is for the most part, he's done it the right way for his high profile. Mm-hmm. And as much fawning as we do, he hasn't had a ton of, like, social media or public missteps. He's His family's no. his only issue. Like, the people and, and, around and, him and are his only issue. And you know what? He, can, he somehow doesn't absorb that. Yeah, it, it kind of it got Teflon off of it's him. The, it's on the periphery. Like, I don't know how he does it, but he, I'm pretty impressed. No, for sure. Because, like, that's the one thing in this um, – you know, when you grow up in a social media era, I guess, like he did, right? Like, you figure he's more susceptible to just stepping in it a few times, and he just doesn't. Like, he's just, he just does his thing, and everyone around him seems to step in it. <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't, yeah, like you said, it just bounces off of him, you know? Because I, I just don't think he lets it phase him. There's been a few moments where he's kind of come unglued a little bit, but I think that's just. But it's all crazy. football stuff, right? It's all, like, sideline that, stuff. Yeah. It's competitiveness. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't hold that against someone of that level of that caliber. You know what I mean? I, I kind of understand that's baked into it. So, um, no, I agree. He's he's, he's going to be the face of the league for a long time. So, love him or hate him, you kind of it's like it's like the Brady thing. You better just get used to it because you're going to be seeing him around a lot. Is it? Do you think it's kind? Does he strike you as like antisocial? Because if he is, that would make a lot of sense. He doesn't, he doesn't give you a ton behind the mic, so I think there's maybe part of that that he doesn't. Like he's embrace, just not out there. But he just doesn't. Like he almost reminds me of. He's you know, very. He's under. He's got a lot of self control. Like you remember, uh, like Doug McDermott at Creighton, where like he just wanted to play basketball. Like that's the only thing that he cared about. He was never like out and about for very much. Like he just, and he really didn't step in it. Like he might have been the most famous person in the city for a couple years there, and which I get is a different scale, right? But really didn't have you didn't hear any weird stories about him like doing stuff yeah. at a club or whatever like there really was nothing because most of the time he was just in the old gym shooting jumpers like that's pretty much all he was ever doing like I kind of get that sense from Mahomes that like he's, he's like Teflon right Matty it's like we don't care about we get mad at his wife we get mad at his brother we get his mad dad. at his brother we get mad at his dad it's all around him and he gives you nothing that you can hold him that's what I just don't think I don't know that for. he does anything besides football yeah, it, that might be it. I mean, he's got two kids, so he might just be like, you know. He made a dad. he made the dad bod thing like popular. Well, who else is doing no. that, Leo? I kind of feel like that's who he might be. You know what I mean? He might just be like, I like to play football and I like to hang out with the with the kids. Like, as young as he is, that might just be who he is. You know, down to earth. You know. Okay. So I mean, cause I don't know enough about him coming up before he, you know first out of the scene um, in KC. Like, I don't think he was like a high-profile person before that. You know what I mean? So, because um, he wasn't doing much of, like, note team-wise at Texas Tech. He was kind of just like, yeah, you know. We thought he was another one of those system guys. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. I, I think it's just kind of who he is because that's kind of how he came up, you know. 
as a little bit of a tease to um, a couple of questions I got for Ravi in our hot seat. Who is Matt DeMarinis' leader right now for player of the year in college basketball? In college basketball? Correct. Oh, Zach Eady. Like that. Is that is that a debate nowadays? I don't even. I thought it was over. Is, is it? So he's the only person. He's he's the only he's the only guy with with negative odds. So he is the clear cut favorite. Mm-hmm. But does Purdue have to get over the hump for you? That's kind of I think what's still out there. Yeah, I, I I'm with. I can see where you're going with that for sure. But I think it's going to be so clear cut in terms of how much he's. A separator, you know, because he doesn't really, he's just impossible to account for, you know what I mean? He is the hardest player to guard on the floor for, you know, for reasons that he gets clowned for, but also for, like, he's really skilled, too, like, um, he's not just a big oaf out there, you know? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if it's, I don't know who else would be in the conversation, is my thing, because I, there's lots of good players out there and ones that in any other year could buy for it. But well, I, I mean, you got – so, like, popularity-wise, like Filipowski, Connect. Um, you know, I think Darren Holmes is still a little too obscure at Dayton. But, like, R.J. Davis, Hunter Dickinson yeah. is a guy going for double-doubles. Kansas could make a run. Well, I've watched Kansas a lot. Does Dickinson really do it for you guys? Like, is that it does? I mean, so Caleb said something like, "We're watching Kansas last night," and he was, uh-huh. and he's he said something that was kind of odd, but it was in passing, so I didn't pay him any mind, of course, because why <laughs> why would I talk to your own kid? But he goes, "Gosh, it just seems like he's the beneficiary of a lot of what's going on around him, not just about him." Mm. Yo, like uh, that's why I, was, I should just come on every every time I come on. But sent you multiple things with from Caleb. Where I'm like, I think this dude is just like spot on. I don't think I would disagree with him at all. Like I, I'm with him. I, 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 I don't get it from like I don't think he's a bad player by any stretch or overrated or anything. I just don't. I don't think he's he's just not that guy. You know. Yeah, I don't think he's on that that pedestal. You know what I mean? I think he's just a good five man that like you know. To cause problems matchup wise, but I don't think he's like on a ED Kalkbrenner Klingon. I don't have him on that level. What 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 about Jaden Ladee? Ooh, yeah, he's I like him a lot. He's a, um, like the Mount the probably Mount not is, high profile enough to actually win it. They, San Diego State is legit, right? But like nationally, probably not high profile enough to win it. No, definitely not high profile enough. But I think you know there's there. There, yeah, he won't be in the conversation, but I think he's one of the more underrated ones. I would, I think he's better than Dickinson, for example. Like I think. Mm. What about Tristan Newton? You know, That's right in our backyard. Yeah, Tristan Newton. I think is going to be like he's my front runner right now for Big East Player of the Year. Even though, like, kind of Devin Carter gets a lot of the hype on social media because he's kind of like a one man show right now, and I think he belongs in the conversation. But I think Tristan Newton has been the guy from day one all the way through mm-hmm. that you know. Like I don't think UConn, I don't think UConn can win without him playing well, kind of thing. You know, as versatile I, 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 as they I, I, are, that's interesting. Yeah, I think he's the linchpin because he he's the guy who, on both ends of the floor, is a tone setter. You know, um, he sets everybody up offensively. He hits big shots. Um, he can rebound, facilitate, score. 
and then defensively he can take your best best dude and make him miserable. You know what I mean? Like he just gets after him, he flies around, he plays hard. Uh, you know, he, he's just yeah, he's a bulldog, and it doesn't look he doesn't look like a bulldog. That's the thing. Like he kind of looks unassuming. Um, hmm. but yeah, he's a stud in my opinion. I I I think really highly of him. We're talking with Matt DeMarinas from the White and Blue Review. Uh, Maddie, let's switch gears here and go to Creighton. Um, obviously, you know, there's been some hand-wringing, some consternation about kind of how the last stretch has gone, obviously losing to Butler, losing to Providence. Uh, obviously, those games could have gone either way. Really haven't played poorly against anyone in a while except that UConn game, which I think we all know why they played poorly there because UConn's a little bit of a, a juggernaut here. Um, how how do you gauge where you think they're at in terms of just their overall play? I know you've seen we've seen like Ashworth come on a little bit offensively, but it seems like maybe the defense has slid back. Like where would I don't know if I want you to give them a grade, but kind of where are they at in your mind compared to where you would want them to be heading in the middle of February? <laughs> I've been getting this. I've been getting this question a lot, actually. Like, not just you know, in this realm, but like. Well, I'm sorry for not being original enough for you, Maddie. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. I, it, 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 Look at little brothers mad, at, <laughs> clapping back at big brother. I like it. That's cute. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not. I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying. I, I, it makes me. This question makes me laugh a little bit, but you have to understand. My point of view on this is I've been, like, I don't just cover the men. I cover the women, too. Mm-hmm. And so, like, right now, like, they're 37 and 10 in, we're going to Valentine's Day here, 37 and 10 between the two of them. So I've seen, like, a ton of winning, a ton of good performances, a ton of, like, amazing performances, and then some that just, like, you know, are mess, but they either get the job done or they lose close, and you're just, like, you're not really sending, sounding an alarm off of it. So I, I understand that people latch on to a loss and just wonder, like, how many things on the checklist went wrong. And I just I don't feel that right now. And I understand 17-7 and seven probably isn't what people, and 8-5 and five in the Big East probably isn't what people thought of this team because how much experience they had coming back and all that. But I just look around college basketball, too, and I'm like, I still think they're one of the best teams in the country. Like, I don't. I don't think there's – I don't know if there's five to ten that you say, oh, yeah, any night, no matter what, Creighton can't beat this team. You know what I mean? So I, I watched the Big 12, and I'm like, I think the best team in the Big 12 right now, I don't, whoever you think it is, I won't argue. I think the best team in the Big 12 right now finishes behind Marquette, UConn, and Creighton. If you put, like, if you said home, road, I don't, neutral. So on a, on a, neut- on a neutral them. site, let me just give you one, and I'm not, I'm not debating, but I think that's interesting because mm. – so on a, on a neutral court, they play tomorrow. BYU and Creighton. You feel comfortable taking Creighton, and I'm and BYU is not even. You, you know what I mean? Like what I would consider. Yeah. What, what, yeah, hundred percent. I'm with hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. I think Creighton's really. Good. I think I think I think Creighton's really good, and I think their best is capable of beating. You name it. I watched like, Houston I, I, the other night struggle offensively, and I was like, "Gosh, that'd be a good matchup for a team like Creighton." I've and, and Houston's twenty one. What's what's Houston twenty one and three? I've watched Houston Something like struggle that. offensively for like four years. 
But do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah no, I know. So he it's, may, he it's may worse be right. now. But he yeah. may be right. Uh, Matt, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, uh, we, all, we, we all look at it from the Creighton lens. When we, when we see them lose or we see them not do something at the, at the highest level or they see them like, you know, you lose a home to Butler and no one thought that was going to happen before the season started, right? And then you're like, gosh, why? Butler you low-key is not bad, though. No, I no, know. No, Butler's on fire right now. Like, I know. They, and they're they, making shots. Like, they, I, I did like, not see that coaching um, resurgence. From like, Otta? Yeah. Like, blowing by a guy like Neptune, who some of his peers really liked at the time of the hire. I agree. I think Robbie's more on the, like, hey, let's talk about Neptune wagon. Which I <laughs> How long have I been talking? I've been talking about this, like, midway last year. Yeah. So Robbie was on that on me about that early. I didn't really feel it. And now I'm like, yeah, he might be on to something. My there. question was, like, yeah. is Kyle Neptune actually good at this? And I don't know. Yeah, no, it's. No, it's time. Yeah, I think it's. I think there's enough. Like the answer is uh, leaning in the no direction, though, right? Like, for sure, for sure. But so, I'm with Damon. Like, I didn't think Dad was going to have. Like, me, I didn't think me neither. Well, I didn't either. I was sitting behind the bench on. Uh, uh, I guarantee that Ohio was. State would take him back. You got Michigan and Ohio oh. State at the bottom of the conference yeah. in the Big Ten. Yep. I just yep, wonder sure. how I, what I was worried about with with Mata wasn't that he couldn't coach anymore. I just didn't know if he'd have the energy for it. Because like I'm sitting behind the bench at Butler, and or against Butler, and like he's physically looks like he's in pain, like he's mm-hmm. limping around, like he doesn't, like he almost looks like late stage Phil Jackson a little bit the way he walks around and stuff. Yeah. And you're just like, I, I, that's why I was like, I don't know if this is going to work at Butler. It's not. Yeah. It wasn't as accurate. Well, for the record, you don't smoke peyote. It's Phil Jackson. He doesn't, or I don't. <laughs> Matt, Matt, let me ask you. You don't know what I do when I leave here. <laughs> Matt, let me ask you something. Yeah. Of these I, jobs that are supposed to be like good, I, the Ohio State thing is just sticking in my craw. Yeah. But mm. I'm looking at DePaul. I've heard for years. Oh man, sleeping, sleeping giant. <laughs> they just got to lock down Chicago. There's, there's like De- nobody else is recruiting there. There's DePaul. There's Georgetown, and there's Ohio State. Remember when Ohio State came calling and. There was all the the circulation and rumors swirling about Mac, this, that, and the other. That wasn't rumors. That was rumors. No, I get it. Yeah. I understand. I'm not trying to put Coach Mac's business out there, but. I mean, it was reported. I'm not putting his business out there. Fact, rank those jobs for me real quick, Matt, in terms of I going forward, not who they've been, but relative to where they are, the conference they're playing in. Give me rank Georgetown, DePaul, and Ohio State for me. You can even talk about – you can even factor in expectation levels in mm. terms of taking the job because I think that actually matters more than people think oh, it Oh, I does. think it matters a ton. Yeah, I think uh, – I don't feel it with Georgetown. I know that's kind of like the rub is that, oh, you know, they're – you know, once they once it's built, it'll everything will also fall in place because of its history, and I just don't – I don't feel it. They've always been that team that just never draws any fans. Um, at least in the time that I've known them, like and a high exp- you know, and reason. Although I don't a know lot like A and M and Ohio State, I, I think their like fan always, base expects them to win. Yeah, I feel like they've always been toxic because even when they had some good teams mm. early on, new like era of the Big East, like they were always like fire this bum. You know what I mean? Like they just don't. It's never good enough. So I don't think Georgetown is in a place where they. They to be fair, though, JT3 fight. was a bad coach. Like, that wasn't a bad take. Remember some of those halftime cut-ins? I know, but he was a bad coach. Like, I, like he had a ton of talent for a while, but JT3 could never coach. 
That, I don't know about that. Man. I he do. I, listen, come on. His, his system, his system of doing things, eventually got what system? He didn't have a system. <laughs> no, he did. He had the, yeah, he ran that Princeton offense that was like popular in the like you know thirties, late eighties, early nineties, all the way through. I mean, yeah, 30s too, but like I'm just saying, like that. Just out here running four corners offense, like he doesn't have a shot clock. So it wasn't too long. What's wrong with that, though? All right, but What's listen. So, like, who's I, suppo- I, who? Who think, should be Ohio good relative to supposed? Like, did anybody see Michigan? You're in Ann Arbor. It's Michigan, and I feel like it, Trey Burks wasn't that long ago, right? About 10 Georgetown years? Final Four wasn't that long ago. Like Sullinger and, and Mata in that run for Ohio State wasn't that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Like what? I mean, I don't I don't get I, how this happened. No, I don't either. But I also think when you're at places like that, you can fix it quick too. Okay. You know, I think so. That rules DePaul out. Like like because I'm yeah. not sure it's the same thing there. But they do have the lowest expectation levels. But I also think if they actually made the right hire for the first time in their history, that it could be something really good. I, I don't, I don't. When I, when I've been to Marquette, and I've been to DePaul, and I'm telling you, I don't see a difference mm. in terms of like how it feels around the community, um, the resources they kind of have at their disposals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Marquette's pulled way ahead now because they've been winning. Sure. But infrastructure-wise, it's not that big of a difference. Yeah, but I feel like when you go to DePaul, you know, you're embedded in the city, man. It feels really like a cool vibe. You don't really feel like you're on a college campus. If you, and I know some people like that, you know. Like, it's not an intimate setting. It's a, it's kind of just embedded. In, it's baked into the whole city, so you get the full experience every single second you're there, you know. I'm not so, tr- I'm just not, I'm not trying to go all hot-takey, but I feel like – I was hoping you said Ohio State because that those basketball expectations feel a lot to me like let's say A and M's football expectations. Like I just yeah, think it, it just it almost feels impossible to be as good as that what Ohio they feel State? like that athletic budget mm, justifies. Justifies. See, I think Georgetown is the best of those three jobs. What? Oh, really? I think Georgetown is the best of those three jobs because you have access to talent because of your history and where you're at. There's a ton of talent in that area. There's not a ton, unlike Chicago, there's not as much attention on the DMV. I know people recruit there, don't get me wrong, but there's a ton of talent there. You are kind of the big deal there in terms of basketball. I know Maryland's there, but Maryland hasn't been special. You've, we just heard Kugler talk about their resources and their commitment with NIL and stuff like that and Cooley's salary. And here's what I think matters more than anything, why that's a better job than Ohio State. Ohio State is a football school forever. No matter how good you are, no matter how good that model was, they could have won a national title with Greg Oden, and they still would have been talking about how they didn't beat Michigan in football that year. Like, that's what Ohio State is. You win at Georgetown, you rule that place. Here's my, here's I, my, I think Georgetown's a better I, job. I, I agree with you on your point. Here's my problem, and I feel this way too. I don't feel a little uncomfortable saying it because Caleb's about to walk into it, but like, I feel like sometimes you get to a point where you're too big. You know, you talk about, like, too big to fail. I think sometimes you get to a point where you're too big to succeed because there's so much angst around, you know, returning to that level. Like, that Ryan, like Ryan Day at Ohio State. There's so – right. There's so much pressure. Dude wins that, a ton mm-hmm. for people to be you mad at him. <laughs> yeah. You can't even enjoy the process of building it and winning incrementally to get to that stage because every win that you have in that – in that journey is like 
yeah, well, you're supposed to beat that team. I don't want to hear about that. You know what I mean? But I think like Georgetown, if, like Nebraska, there, has like gotten Louisiana so Tech, far like, down that they do appre- no, they would appreciate. I don't um, think it changes. I think I think it's always present because the minute you get to that like doorstep, then people immediately assume you're going to kick it down and never like and lock it behind you and never go back again. Mm. I think it's hard. I think it's really hard once you've been on top to fall back down and then get back on top uh, if you haven't been. Maddie, who has the best middle of the conference, the the Big Ten or the Big East? Real quick here, like thirty seconds. Uh, Big East. I, I'm not impressed with the middle of the Big Ten. Uh, I think if we look at middle of the pack, I think Big 12 is at the top. Kind of yeah. That's Matt DeMarinas from the White and Blue Review. Matty, we appreciate it. As always, we will catch up with you again soon. Sorry for rambling, fellas. Thanks for the oh, time. You're good, Matty. Love it. I love, All good. That I, was like, a fun I like the national. Yeah, that was a fun conversation with him. Uh, and we'll be talking to Matty more as we get down to the uh, nuts and bolts here of college Georgetown? basketball really? season. I do. Hey, listen. I think Georgetown is the best of three jobs. Uh, coming up next, first ever heard at hot seat for my guy DB here. We'll see if we can get him a little uncomfortable with some of our questions on Herd at Sports Radio. We will be back.